we're just gonna do a quick, quick and dirty one. Quick and dirty one. Uh, dive, dive right in here. <laughs> circumstances have never been better. Ah, uh, they're beautiful. Uh, also, um, it'll be quick and dirty, unlike the race we just saw. Um, it was slow and dirty. That was a slow, dirty it was race. Definitely slow and dirty. So, what was it like for you? I'm presuming you watched it in real time. Oh no, you didn't watch it in real time. But when you when you watched playback of it, did you just let it ride? Because I was watching playback of it and so like i could see oh yeah red flag here uh all right and then just like scrub with my finger you know okay there's you know 45 minutes forward in the timeline Mm -hmm. and we're right back into the action and for me i'm unfazed by it i'm just like yeah cool there was you know there was a, a commercial break but yeah uh you know being there or being anywhere close to real time had to be Maybe yeah, um, does that make it better or does that make it worse? I basically, feel like question. that makes it worse. Hold on, let's let's intro the podcast. We're gonna we're doing the podcast. podcast. Yeah, we're doing. Course, I know. What you're... are you talking about? I'm just. <laughs> I'm just. I thought we were just having a nice little video chat while I'm on vacation, <laughs> talking to you from the the third and final row of our of our mm-hmm. family uh, vacation mobile. Oh, the lighting is gorgeous. Uh, the the quality of the video, mm, not wonderful, but the lighting quality is <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, so you got you got me beat there with the real light. This is the F1 Files, folks. We are a Formula One podcast. (laughs) Yes, that's what this is. Uh, It's a podcast with just a couple of best friends who have loved Formula One since we're tiny little kids riding around our neighborhood on bikes, uh, harassing everyone, um, but mostly just being good little kids on bikes. Uh, But yeah, yeah, we're we're the hosts. My name is Corey Willis. I'm a writer, actor, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And I'm John Lepore, a creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. Mm. All right. So So, Zanvort... Zanvort happened. It it did. Zanvort happened. It was. It was long. Mm -hmm. It was messy. Very. I thought it was probably one of the better races we've seen this season. For sure. For sure. Definitely. Like like possibly top three. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a big reason why that happened, and it's because there was all sorts of inclement weather, and it put Max Verstappen on his back foot at his home race, which just set up like a beautiful uh, scenario for him to uh, actually, I mean, he won the race for sure, unsurprisingly, but oh man, was there so much happening in between. Uh, Back to your original question, John. I think that if you were there at Zanvoort, you were having the time of your life. Mm Mm-hmm think if you were watching it live and you were not at Zanvoort, you would have been like annoyed and a little bit fatigued. Um, mostly because it was like a similar scenario to uh, our 2011 Grand Prix experience in Montreal, where it was rain was happening all over the place. There was no certainty on whether the race was even going to get going after that second red flag. So yep. there was just a lot of action and i imagine if you were watching it like woke up 
if you were on the west coast of the u.s woke up at like 5 30 in the morning to then watch like three and a half hours of yeah. oh boy what is happening here um but it was great i thought it was great uh earlier on in the weekend there was some wild stuff in uh in qualifying um yeah uh Maybe the wildest thing to happen actually happened in free practice, though. We got to talk about our boy Danny Rick, who got oh. uh, broke broke a finger, broke a finger. Oh, yeah. so that was what it was. It was broke a finger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was okay. broke right. a uh, the the fourth metacarpal, I think it was. So I guess like his ring finger on his right hand. Um, yeah, he just held onto the wheel so that he didn't run into Oscar Piastri. So he had to like steer yeah. off of the track in that banked section. And he had only one option, which was uh, go into the tire barriers. Um, and yeah. so that was my so. understanding was that he very intentionally was like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I could have had a gentler hit, but it would have been too high of a chance of just smashing, smashing Piastri. Yeah. Who probably yeah. was in the process of like taking off his belts and getting ready to like climb out of the car, not aware that, you know, Danny Rick would be careening towards him. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a thoughtful move from Danny Rick. Uh, if you hear the radio message, it's, you know, yeah. it's kind of crushing because you hear him and he goes like, ah, wrecked. And they go like, okay, you know, everything all right. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah. And then he goes, but my hand Mm -hmm. and just him saying that like you can hear in his voice that it's basically just like i won't be participating for the rest of this weekend because of whatever just happened to me and and that is exactly what happened um do we know Mm -hmm. when danny rick will be recovered enough to get back in the mix is there any chance that we see him back next weekend this is the problem is he won't be back next weekend. He just had surgery basically on the day of the Grand Prix. So he had mm-hmm. surgery. The surgery was successful, but I think it might have been the first surgery. He may have to have another one. Um, no. uh, it was a little bit it was a little bit nebulous. He was like, oh, yeah, I had like my first bit of metal put into me. And I took that as like, oh, is this I mean, we have friends who have. Sounds- had yeah where you have to have metal put in and then you have to have it taken out so that's or maybe he just lives mm-hmm. with the rest the rest of his life with uh pins in his hands um which yeah. is possible but um so it looks like it would have worked out fine if next week was singapore but next week yeah. is monza so next week is monza he's going to miss that it's the home race uh liam lawson's in the the cockpit right now across from yuki sonoda Liam Lawson actually finished higher up the up the rankings than uh, Yuki Sonoda did in the Grand Prix, which is like he could not have had a better debut as an F1 driver, uh, uh, especially within the Red Bull program. But well, also just to, for, looked, for his very first yeah. race, let's just touch on this for, for a quick second. Liam Lawson, yeah, very first race, very first time driving slick tires on this track. Um, yeah. And just is like thrown into the most chaotic race one could possibly Possible. imagine. Like I, I have to imagine that like afterwards everyone's, you know, patting him on the back and being like, don't worry, it's not always like this. 
Yeah. And even during the interview process, like they were like, wow, tricky race to to kind of debut at, right? And he was like, yeah, if I had my choice, I would not have driven my first Formula One race in this specific situation because he came in in free practice three. So Danny Rick injured himself in free practice two. So his debut was like, oh, I have basically like a couple of installation laps and then I have to go into qualifying. Uh, And then that was tricky enough. But then the formation wrap uh, lap of the race, it's like had like a coastal downpour. So his first time on slick tires on that track uh, in an F1 car was met with like, oh, the most changeable conditions and like the least favorable version of changeable conditions because it's the formation lap. So they're going pretty slow, um, trying to get their tires up to speed, but can't really get them up to real like racing temperatures. So Mm -hmm. that's that was just such a, a nightmare for him. But also he was like, in retrospect, this was probably the best way to start my career was to be in the most unfavorable conditions that a rookie could ask for and then to not go off the track at all he had no moments he had no incidents in a race that was Mm. pretty sloppy um uh around other people especially that third lap once everyone kind of got up to to speed (laughs) it was crazy this like broke a record for overtakes uh in a modern f1 race too on a track that like overtaking is really not a thing that happens so just a tricky situation for Liam Lawson, but it sucked because Danny Rick will ideally be like somewhat healed by the time the Singapore race happens. But the Singapore race is the most taxing race on the calendar, like physically yeah. and mentally and emotionally. It's a night race. It's a street track. So you have no room for error. And a lot of the in- like the steering inputs are really severe. There are no moments where he would get to kind of rest his like mending hand on a straightaway. So helmet Marco was like, yeah, I don't think he's going to be in for Monza. Uh, I don't think he's going to make it for Singapore. And then of course the next race is Japan, which is another, yeah, it's got nice straightaways, but it's like very demanding and the steering inputs are very intense on that race too. So it just puts Danny Rick on the back foot for this comeback in in a, in a time when he's trying to prove himself to maybe take over Sergio Perez's seat, he's now, instead yeah. of having 10 races to do it, he's only going to have seven races to do it, basically. Yep. So, uh, I feel Crushing. so bad for him. Yeah, I hurt, yeah. I hurt for him, and I do still feel like, you know, Danny Rick has sort of inherited the kind of, like, luck that alonzo had year after year of just like things are just you know getting stuck at the wrong team at the wrong time and and whatnot i mean at least he's at least he's getting back into a seat and whatnot but this is a this is a tough way to do it um let's talk about yuki because yuki Mm -hmm. to me was a shining star of this race although his finishing position i think doesn't yeah doesn't fairly show the kind of racing that Yuki threw down over the course of this race. And I do think Yuki is Yuki continues to be for me one to one to watch. And I think we're going to see some some special stuff happening 
at some point in the next, let's say, two years of Yuki's career, uh, where he'll be taken yeah. super seriously. I mean, uh, pretty pretty phenomenal racing. I think we saw from him throughout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even even when he was on like awful tires at like the towards the tail end of the Grand Prix, uh, or did he did he pit? Oh, I guess he did pit when he had that contact with George. Or no, 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 he yeah. hadn't pit yet. George was like coming through the field, uh, which we'll talk about Mercedes in a second here. But Yuki was on like very old tires and basically maintained like a top six position for the majority of the Grand Prix. Like he just crushed it and was making no mistakes whatsoever. And then the only mistake that he made was next to George Russell, who was like, you know, it's a little bit tricky driving next to George when he's really in like a desperate mood uh, yeah. because he will be unyielding. He's similar to Max yeah. in that way where it's like, I'm focused on my race. I'm not going to necessarily give you all the space that you could need. I'll make you back out. And Yuki just couldn't back out uh, when George went in on like the inside of one of those turns. I think it might've even been turn three again, but like yeah. went in and Yuki just like clipped him with his front wing and had a little bit of damage, but still, Drove very well. I mean, extremely well. Um, and was just so, like, if you listen to his post-race interviews, like, he's getting whatever media training he got over the summer break or in, like, the winter months is really paying off because he's being so clear. I mean, English is his second language. And yeah. he's extremely clear with not just his language, but, like, making sure that he is not relying on like oh english is my second language so people will kind of understand what i'm getting at kind of similarly to like <laughs> the way that you hear like carlos sometimes um right. kind of like using like the incorrect syntax or whatever in communication yes. um he is intimidating it's, me. it's just yes. great to hear he's intimidating <laughs> me yeah uh i love it i love it um uh carlos with a tricky a tricky race as well Rough race. But we for do Carlos. have to talk about Charles before. Yeah, yeah let's, uh, let's let's talk about Charles. Oh my god! Yeah, first of all, qualifying session three when he crashed the car. There's just like the most beautiful moment, and I'm so happy that the all of the social media accounts grabbed mm -hmm. it and like posted it. Uh, and it's Charles just sitting in like a beach chair next to the yeah. circuit. And like waiting, the waiting for the moped him. to come and pick him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the camera like sees him and he, I guess, like sees his picture on one of the screens and just like kind of like looks, does that like look to the side at the camera that's looking at him and kind of yep. tries to force this like this sheepish smile that like doesn't even read as a smile. It's more of like a, come on, guys, why are you filming me? Uh, it's just. So funny. Um, and then that was echoed at the end of the Grand Prix when he had retired and was like watching Max's celebration ceremony. And someone like snapped a picture from the stands and he's like arm up on the fence, just watching the big screen as Max is celebrating. Um, yeah. yeah, just a, a rough, rough ride for Ferrari. Rough ride. I mean, uh, yeah. A, yeah. So like, yeah, certainly. I mean, the, probably one of the biggest ferrari bungles and like it's it's tough because i mm -hmm. think there's a lot of problems within the team but when we do think of any mm -hmm. formula one team 
and the rest of the people that aren't the drivers, the thing that we think of, the thing that we hold them to, the experience that's most visceral yeah. that the team collectively participates in are these pit stops. And again, there's mm -hmm. a lot of whole other problems going on at Ferrari. There's all sorts of things happening, Suddenly. probably even all the way down to like, you know, catering and, you know, uh, janitorial mm -hmm. systems and whatever's going on at Ferrari. I'm sure it's all screwed yeah. up. <laughs> but during a Formula One race, when we've got this situation where everyone knows this insane weather is coming mm -hmm. in. Everyone's looking at the yeah. radar. Everyone's holding their breath. Everyone's waiting for these last second calls or decisions to be made. And Charles mm -hmm. comes into pit to get those intermediate tires thrown on his car. And the guys are out there with the guns. They're ready to go. But there's no tires in the pit lane. The tires mm -hmm. are still in the garage. They didn't yeah. have... They, they, didn't think like I don't understand how this happens. How do you not know yeah. that if there's going to be, you know, on this first lap, there's a very good chance that this may happen. So you should be waiting yeah. and at the ready. And even if Charles gave them a last second moment's notice, it still takes him about 12 seconds to make his way down the pit lane. And it was as if the guys yeah. sitting in the in the garage aren't you know they're not looking at screens they're not listening to their headsets they're just staring out into pit lane and then they see charles car come in and they're like wait that's that car looks just like our car that is our car yeah exactly and then boom they're running to yep. bring the intermediate like I, how does this happen what at this level of 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 sport I of competition i don't understand how is this uh like what's and and just to yeah. be doing that in front of everybody. Yeah. Everybody's watching. Yeah. This. In front everybody's of everybody's waiting to in see how you're able to world. adapt. You know, you know who was expecting no. the tires to get changed? Well, the, the announcers, the broadcasters, the mm -hmm. guy directing the broadcast, mm -hmm. telling what camera to be cut to, the cameraman who's operating yep. that camera. He's following Charles coming down the pit lane and is saying, like, well, he's coming in. He's coming in to get. Yeah. His intermediate tires, it should be no question what tires he's going for. And in the Ferrari garage, nobody's nobody's tracking this. How is like I don't know. I don't no. understand. I, I don't I I don't get it either. I mean, there was there were some excuses kind of put out there where it was like, Oh yeah, well, you know, it's he called his own pit stop, so and Ferrari was telling him to stay out. And it's like, even if Ferrari was telling him to stay out, they should have at least been like uh oh, he's calling yeah. his own pit stop. Hey, can someone start grabbing the tie? Like, can so just in case we can't convince him to stay out, can someone maybe grab, like, or start walking towards the tires? Even, but it was like there was no, like, it was some. Uh, but that um, even further think, compounds like, it. It further compounds yeah, it. Yeah. He, if he was the one to call the pit stop, that was the right move. That was the right time yeah, to get that was onto the, right the intermediate tires. Mm -hmm. That was that was the correct move. And so that yep. means that his team made the wrong move. But not only that, but his team yeah. made the wrong move, but couldn't prepare for the chance that he disagreed with them and took control because the steering wheel is in his hands. He's it's ultimately gonna yeah. be up to him. And just yeah. like you're saying, like to, to not account for that being a possibility. Like I I I just don't get it. I don't understand it. 
not only not only it being a possibility, John, but it being like the only other possibility. Like he would not be coming into the pit lane if I mean there's actually two other possibilities. And this is this is one of the things is they didn't change his front wing during that pit stop either. And mm-hmm. his front wing, he got damaged. The front like the end plate on the front wing was literally like like shredded and like you could see that it had fallen off. Um, which is kind of what we got to uh when he retired, uh, because Vasora was like, Oh yeah, when they had front wing damage, uh that was basically the front wing got like pulled underneath the car and that's what caused the floor damage, which caused our eventual retirement. So there was like a reason why he was suffering for the rest of the race. But again, on that first lap to let him go so many laps on, uh, on that specific. uh, Yeah. Guys, come on. Yeah. What do we like every different layer of it? It's a, it's a complex, rich onion of failure. And you just peel back really one layer of failure to find more failure. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how it happens. And maybe this is just like, this sort of thing where this kind of like super negative energy just tends to like generate more mm-hmm. failure and like yeah, compound it's... or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, but so Charles had like a, a, a terrible, no good race got passed by like everyone um, even got passed by like Liam Lawson at a certain point. I love that you call it a terrible, no good race, because that's like that's how we feel about Charles in this situation. Like we do feel I think collectively everyone in the sport feels like he's a child who's got wonderful intentions and just, Mm -hmm. you know, is is just trudging through the worst, you know, never ending school year of his life. And uh, we're all rooting for him to turn it around. And uh, yeah just makes it but it's impossible to root for someone like it is not impossible to root for someone it's it's heartbreaking to root for someone and to see them just constantly try their best Mm. even taking the horse by the reins and then like just being like oh yeah by the way um the team is not on board with you in any in any capacity um yeah so that was really really tricky really tough to to see but then we also had Mercedes having a terrible strategy call, having, yeah, I mean, almost rivaling Ferrari. I mean, they put Lewis on medium tires to start the race, and Lewis immediately, when he's in the pit lane, not even the pit lane, when he's on the grid before they start the formation lap, he's like, uh, am I the only one on medium t- Is this like a bad move, guys? And they're like, yeah, no, we're okay. We're okay. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, a little bit of rain's going to be coming. And he's like, huh, okay, we should probably switch to intermediate tires. Like, that's, like, something he said straight away. And then he stayed out for, like, four laps on medium tires, just getting – he's one of the reasons why there were the most passes in this Grand Prix is because everyone passed him, and he was passing people. It was just – And, I mean, this this wasn't even the end of the terrible – news for mercedes uh we've got yeah russell making probably the radio call of the entire race where he's getting on yeah and after you know these insane unpredictable like 
act of God conditions have screwed up his race, he's complaining to the team, specifically saying like, yeah. hey, what's up? I thought I was supposed to be, uh, I had specifically requested that I be on a podium. Everyone was saying I was going to be on a podium. Like, why is that like? What have you all done to me yeah, he, to undo that guaranteed situation that was clearly prescribed for me? Oh, we were forecast for a podium, guys. What happened? And it's like, George, what do you just just shut up and drive? I think is kind of like the 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 response that he should have gotten. Um, I get that like Mercedes really screwed that up. They had an incredible recovery drive, though. Gotta say, incredible recovery drive. Um, I mean, George not so much because he ended up getting uh, a puncture when I think Piastri passed him or Lando passed. It was Lando. Um, again, that turn three, he kind of didn't give enough room uh, and Lando just kind of squeezed him a little bit. Slow puncture and George was out of the race, which sucks, but also, uh, I mean, uh, as Lewis fans, I'm like, oh no, Lewis had like a pretty good return to uh, the front of the the pack, uh, and I I may be wrong, but I think that I heard him mutter something along the lines of like, "I'm going to go for a podium," like I'm like aiming for a podium at some point. Um, but they had forecast him P six to P nine. He ended up getting P six. Uh, real quick, let's move uh before we're going to wrap this up soon so let's let's just real briefly talk about Sergio Perez I don't as embarrassing as George was like Sergio thought he deserved a podium still in some way and it's like buddy uh Sergio you, you went off the track and got a 5 second penalty and damaged both your rear and front wing like in what world do you think you deserved a podium at that point I mean, uh, it's just not reasonable. It is just pure misery for Sergio. And I think at this point, uh, we have to... Let's talk about Max. Let's let's talk about Max, baby. Let's talk about Max. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's... <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about Max. We've got this insane race. Conditions that are throwing every driver in the field off. Um, there's significant chunks of the field that are benefiting from these conditions tremendously. There are other drivers in the field who are being deeply punished by these conditions. Everything is completely shuffled. Everything is completely unpredictable except for... Max, Max just, he just keeps, it's, it's, it's what we always say. Max is inevitable and he just carves through this insane race. Like it's a totally average day on the formula one circuit. And he's, you know, yeah, he's punted back uh, a few, uh, a few positions and then he's just right back to first with almost no effort. And even the broadcasters aren't making a big deal about it, right? Like nobody's uh, even calling out that like, oh, he's climbing his way back through these adverse conditions. It's just like, nope, Max just, when he is removed from first place, 
he just is magnetized right back towards it. And, you know, that is just the reality that we live in and will continue to expect. He was like annoyed that they had like six or seven laps to restart the race. And it was like, oh, this is a chance for maybe someone to like, oh, no, no one caught Max. Even Fernando, who returned to the podium. Fernando is second place in this race. Really, really impressive by him. Um, Okay, so has the Alonzo hype train been reinstated? Yeah, yeah. It it is, uh, it like... Did the whole, like, someone, like, switch the tracks of the Fernando hype train and it, like, went around this circuitous route and everyone's like, oh, good, we finally got rid of that Fernando hype train. And then just, like, tracks rejoined and he was right there. He had somehow took, like, a summer shortcut uh, to getting the tracks uh, back where they needed to be. And, yeah, I'm on board. He also is saying, like, we're going to win one. We're getting closer. And it was like, Hell yeah. I'd love to hear Fernando be like fired up and like he never really lost that spark, but it was really like a little bit tricky to watch him go down the path to like Dark Alonzo's return. And then he just showed back up with like a big old smile. Yeah. There was a moment during the podium ceremony where he like even had like a Fernando perfect like cheeky bit where like they were like kind of stumbling to get back to him to do his interview and he like grabs the mic and like does the like tap tap on the mic and then like the downturn like i don't know what's wrong and then just waits for the presenter to interview him it was just such a perfect moment um pierre gasly mm-hmm. showed up big uh got past sergio perez after he got the speeding in the pit lane penalty and was able to be within five seconds so he got a third place huge for Alpine, huge for Aston Martin. I mean, these are two teams that really, we were all kind of like, Alpine shuffled around their management and Aston Martin looks like they developed in the wrong direction and maybe Lance is going to retire and go play tennis. That was hilarious to hear those rumors, by the way. Um, And it'd be even more hilarious if he did go and play tennis. uh, and, And if he's like way better at tennis, that would also be funny. Um, yeah, we're, this is, again, this is, this is a short one, folks, um, cause we're still in somewhat summer mode. Uh, so Johnny, is there anything else that like popped up in that race that you wanted to chat about before we tie this up? I don't think I've got anything else. I just, I love these conditions. I love variable transitioning weather. I love how it forces the teams to be completely on their toes there's always a little bit of luck that's involved with like did you pick the exact correct lap to switch between your tire strategies also worth noting that we had a a first time ever driver who was thrust out into the most insane grand prix of grand prix for the first time ever. I mean, this this kid's got a bright future ahead of him because if he was able to uh, blast through here, he'll he'll be able to handle anything that comes in the future. Um, I just love I love these conditions. I love this sort of scenario. Uh, is there a way that this can be permanently programmed into the 
the formula of the sport. Can this be something that is just uh, always brought in, or at least on occasion brought in uh, with some form of regularity to shake things up? I absolutely love it. It really does. Even though Max keeps winning, it does create some really impressive results. Um, so, I mean, again, you know, all all timer race. Once you remove, um, you know, once you, once we describe it from the perspective of Formula No Max, yes, like, yes, uh, a absolutely wild race. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's wrap it up there so you can get to your uh, New England style dinner. Uh, where can the folks find you out there in the world, Johnny? Uh, currently, you can find me in extremely rural Maine, uh, <laughs> podcasting from the third row of a Honda Pilot that's shaking back and forth as I get upset about the current state of Ferrari, yeah. which is probably freaking out uh, my my entire family, <laughs> wondering what in the world's going on in here. Uh, Corey, where can uh, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can track me down. I'm Burn Corey Burn on all the social stuff, and then we're the F1 Files on Twitter and uh, Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. Uh, oh yeah, real quick, almost forgot the most important segment here. Did the stock go up this week? Did it go down? Did it stay the same? Where are we at? Uh, this is a the stock making like a, a hockey stick like spike. Yeah, towards the North Pole. Uh, yeah. absolutely, you know, huge, huge hit with a wild and exciting race like this, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. This is a revitalization of F1 after the summer break, and we needed this race to go the way that it did. Even though we had Max win it, we needed it to be an exciting race uh, because the past couple of races haven't really given us that. So I love it. I think we're in good shape. Um we do have Monza coming up. We've, we're headed to the Temple of Speed next week, so that's going to be very, very exciting. Uh, sucks we're not going to have Danny Rick at a home race, uh, but we'll see what Liam Lawson can do. Uh, he's driven that track before and has like a pretty solid record there too, so excited to see that. Uh, I guess all that's left to say is you can catch up with us the next time, and we will also catch up with you the next time on the F1 Files. Ooh.